Worship today was just incredible, right? Man, so good. Love our band, singers, all of that. We are working on a, uh, a day, the last Sunday of this series, at the end of uh, April, and we're going to do a throwback worship day that day. We'll go back and pull some songs from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It'll be a fun day. We're going we're gonna to cross the gap of styles as well, so uh, it'll be fun. So, man, two weeks until uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday. It's not very far away. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was just last week, we made these cards available to you. There's some in the front of the, the chair there, the seat back in front of you. So on one side, it tells about the services on Easter Sunday. On the back, it tells about the series here. What we did is we put those in the chair so that you would take those home and be praying about who you would invite who needs to hear the message of hope today? We have, we have at our disposal the greatest message on planet Earth today. It's not just another message, it is the message. It is the message that sets captives free. It's not just a religious message, it's a life-changing message. The world today is caught. The world today is struggling. The world today is dying because they're trying to live for themselves and they're trying to live in their own ways and it's not working. The world is collapsing around us and people are filled with hopelessness today. People are in despair. Suicide rates are up. Doubt is filling people's minds. There is depression rampant in our world. Anxiety, sin, confusion, perversion. It is all taking over today because a world has walked away from God. And Jesus came to redeem those who were lost. Jesus came with the message to set the captives free. And Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, is the exclamation point that says, there is hope, there is life, there is a way, there is one who has come from heaven. And he has taken on the guilt of man's sin. And he has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. He has conquered the enemy. And he has life for all who will call out to him. Amen? This is our message. It's not just another message. It is the message that transforms lives. It's the message that breaks addictions. It's the message that can bring reconciliation. It's the message that can free a heart that's been held captive in anxiety and depression and despair and confusion. It is the message. And so for us as believers, we take this seriously. I recognize that on this Sunday, Easter Sunday, 
there'll be people who will attend church that don't normally come. Almost every year since we've been here, we will or have almost doubled our attendance on that day. It's not something to complain about. It's something to rejoice about. It's on that day we are going to proclaim this message again, loudly and clearly. And it's the day that you and I should be thinking about who should I invite? Who can come? Who needs to hear this message? Who needs to be a part of a life-changing truth and a transformed life church? Amen? So, I want us to take time right now to pray that God would put on our hearts someone or someones to invite. If you don't have these cards, they're in that chair in front of you for you to take one or more. So let's pray because seeds need to be planted. Our world is dying and we have the message that can bring life. Let's pray together. Father, there are a lot of ways you could have chosen to take the message of hope to a world today. You could have done it all by yourself and not needed anyone. But you have chosen to redeem people like us. You've chosen to give us your spirit. You've chosen to transform our life that we, by our life and our words, would speak the message of hope in the gospel. So I pray as we approach the Sunday of celebration that you would put on our hearts the names and faces of people we know that need to be here. The names and faces of people who are hurting, who are struggling, who need a word of hope, who need the message of life, who need to know how to make it through who need to know how to deal with their pain, who need to know how to be free from what holds them. God, you have given us that message and that responsibility. So I pray you would give us those names and those faces, and then you'd give us the courage to go, to invite, and that we would pray for them. So Father, we pray in advance for all of those that you're going to put in our mind and our heart, that you're preparing them right now, already, for the invitation and for the day that they're here. That when the message is proclaimed, it will instantly pierce their heart. It will instantly give them hope. It will instantly cause them to fall in love with you, the one who has come to love them and to free them. So God, we ask all of this based on your promises. We ask all this based on the responsibility you've given us and based on your desire to see many, many others come into the kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited for that day. I'm excited for what is ahead. Next Sunday is called Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday recognized as the Sunday that Jesus would have come into Jerusalem and be celebrated by the people, that they would wave their palm branches, call him king, all the while Jesus knowing as they were singing and calling him king that within a matter of time those same voices would turn and those same voices would eventually turn against him and they would cry out for him to be crucified and he would face humiliation. He would face the darkness 
of death. And the scripture tells us about that. The scripture tells us that he knew this in advance. It's tough for you and I to think about walking into situations that we know are going to be painful. You know, when you know you're going into the doctor's office and he's probably going to do something that's going to hurt, I don't like going. Hello? If I walk into a situation where I know there's going to be some emotional tension, I don't like going. If I walk into a situation where I know there's going to be some relational awkwardness and some, some weird dynamics going on, nobody necessarily likes that, right? But here Jesus, knowing what he was about to walk into, the scripture tells us something about that. And here's what it says in Luke 9. It says that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Knowing what he was going to walk into. Knowing that all this worship and singing and palm branches and, and, and calling him king was all going to turn pretty soon. He walked into all of that and Isaiah prophesied about this moment. Isaiah said, here's what's going to happen. Here's what the moment's going to be like. In Isaiah 50 verse 7, it says this, that he set his face like a flint to go in. That means his face was fixed with resolve. Flint, like a hard rock. His face was determined. He didn't go in terrified, he didn't go in half-hearted. He went in certain of his mission. He went in confident of what God had called him to. He went in with resolve, with determination. He went unmoved. He went unstoppable. He went unmoved by how they were going to treat him and unmoved by the pain he would face. And it would be brutal. He would face injustice. He would face cruelty. He would be mistreated, falsely accused, arrested for crimes he did not commit, physically tortured, stripped of his dignity, paraded before the crowds, used as a political pawn by petty men. He would be forced to wear a crown made of thorns. He would carry his own cross he would have a sentence placed upon him determined by the vote of the crowd. He would be publicly humiliated. He would suffer. He would struggle. He would have the judgment for sin placed upon him. And he would die alone. And knowing all of this, he went Jerusalem. That's tough. That's a different kind of grace to know you're walking in to pain and choosing to set your face like a flint. As overwhelming as that is, the scripture tells us something else. Isaiah describes something else about how he walked through this moment how he went through this pain. Isaiah writes three chapters later, he said, he was oppressed 
and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He did not complain. He did not lash out. He did not rail back at them. He didn't threaten them. In fact, he was silent. Silent. And as great a pain as he suffered, as great a suffering as he would endure, Peter then writes in the New Testament to you and to me and says this, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Jesus' followers are called to walk in the same steps that he took. They may not fit your normal gait, your normal stride, your normal path, but Jesus says, follow me. And here Peter says, what that looks like is that you and I have to be willing to walk where he walked even into places of suffering, even into places where there's reaction, even into places where there's pain because Jesus suffered for us and he left us an example that we should walk like that. You think, how? How did he do that? How do we do that? In a day today when there's beginning to be louder rumbles of reaction and rejection and persecution. How do we deal with that? Our message today ties in with our worship today. It's called this. Followers, embrace a greater day. We have the Bible reading here this week. If you want to take uh, your phone out and take a picture of this screen, you're welcome to. Here are some verses and passages that go along with the message today. They'll also be on social media and um, on our, our church app. You can follow along. Each of these passages fit with this message today and help us know how to embrace a greater day to come and even walk through the struggles and tension of our day. So if you've got your Bibles, your Bible app, whatever you've got, First Peter is where we are going to be today. Chapter 2, verse 21 through 23. Peter is a good, a good uh, person to be writing to us today because Peter, Peter got to see all of this up close. Peter got to see the suffering. Peter got to see what happened in the garden. Peter got to see what happened after that. Peter had actually denied knowing the Lord when the time got tough. Peter bolted when the pressure came on. Peter headed out the door when the pressure came on and the struggle came in. But Peter kept watching. Peter kept seeing Jesus go through the struggle. And Peter had Jesus meet him after the resurrection and call him 
to his side and call him into ministry. And because Peter saw all of that, because Peter saw the struggle, because Peter saw the suffering, because Peter knew what it was like to walk away, because Peter knew what the resurrection was like. Peter knew what he'd been called to. Peter had a different message all of a sudden when he wrote his letter that he writes for us today. And in chapter 2, verse 21, he says this, the same verse we've looked at, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And Peter said the same thing that Isaiah said, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. You know, this is where already there's a great dividing line between Jesus and us. Because you and I, when someone does something to us that we didn't think was fair, we all of a sudden became a justice warrior of one, don't we, right? Whether it's on the highway and someone takes the lane you thought was yours, you take that moment all of a sudden to want to bring about some justice. Hello? Yeah, I heard you. Yeah. Uh, we want to do that through um, our uh, facial reaction. We want to do that through some handy sign language. Hello? We want to do that through our mad driving skills. We want to show them, you're not going to treat me that way, bud. Hello? We don't like it when people mistreat us. And there's something inside. It's not just because you're in Texas. It's not just because you're an American. It's because you're a born sinner. Hello? Not that all those things necessarily, you know, equal, but sometimes they are. It's okay. There are redeemed people in Texas and in America, right? But that whole feeling of, don't, don't cross me. I'll cross you. Don't cut me. I'll cut you. Don't talk to me that way. I'll talk to you a different way. All of that, you really have a hard time justifying if you're going to walk in the same footprints that Jesus walked in. It's true. And Peter said, you and I are to walk in the same steps, the exact footprint that he walked in. And when he was mocked, when he was persecuted, when he was pressured, suffering, falsely accused, things didn't go his way, People cut him off. People said things to him. People did things to him. He did not sin. He didn't respond to their sin with more of his sin. He didn't do it. Nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. He didn't mumble under his breath a few choice words. He didn't pretend to be something that he wasn't. He didn't lash out at them on the way to church and come inside the church and say, praise the Lord. There was no duplicity. There was no double standard. There was no deceit in his mouth. He was without sin in this moment when he was facing the pressure, when he was facing the reaction, when things were not going his way. Oh, it's easy to not sin and not have any deceitful words come out of your mouth, any profanity come out of your mouth when everything's going your way. But followers of Jesus, we are called to be silent on that stuff whenever we're going through the pressure. 
Peter goes on and says, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. He didn't attack back. He didn't have a few choice words for them. When they were ugly, when they were coarse, when they were cruel, when they were crass, when they were cursing, he did nothing like that in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. This just goes all against our natural Texas nature, though. Hello? Right? It's just like, this just feels uncomfortable. We like our big boots and our big steps and our big guns and all that stuff. Nothing wrong with big boots, steps, and guns. But, if we're going to walk like Jesus walked, because that's what he said we're to do, we're to follow his steps, then those boots and those guns need to be walking like Jesus walked. And even though I might be reviled, I'm not going to revile in return. Even though I might suffer, even unjustly, unfairly, you took it and that was mine. He did not threaten in return. True? I'm only, I'm only preaching what Scripture preaches. Now, this is counter to everything that is in the world today. And we are watching the culture unhinged in reaction and acting the complete opposite of what Jesus did. The spirit of the world today says this, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what is right. Don't tell me that I can't do something. What I want is what is right. What I feel is what is right. Don't tell me, the world would say, I can't be transgendered, cross-dresser, and read stories to children in schools. Don't tell me that, the world says. Don't tell me I can't encourage children to explore deviant lifestyles. Don't tell me that. That's wrong, the world says. The world says, don't, don't tell me I can't do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want, because I will do what I want, when I want, where I want. Don't tell me you're going to pray for me because that offends me. Don't tell me you, you know Jesus because that's against me. Don't tell me you have freedoms too because your freedoms stop where my feelings start. Is what the world says today. You don't get to have any freedoms. They get all the freedoms. And the minute you want to walk in your freedom and it hurts their feelings, then everybody has to stop all of a sudden. Hello? Don't disagree with me, the world says. Don't offend me, the world says. Don't hurt my feelings. In fact, you better be apologizing to me. You better be apologizing to me for what you've done, what you've said, what your parents said, what 14 generations earlier said, your color of your skin, the faith that you have. You need to apologize to me. You need to bow down to me. You need to be my servant. That's the message of the world today. Y'all are here, right? 
I'm not hearing any kind of reaction. It's okay to say amen, yeah, that's right. You should be kind of getting up in arms about all this stuff. Hello? That is the world's reaction today. Because the world today has elevated themselves to the place of deity. They have replaced the one true God with themselves as God and they expect everybody to bow down to them because they're the God. And their feelings are the law. And everybody has to bow to their law. This is what happens when you elevate the individual above God. When you worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. You get a people who are full of themselves. You get a people who say, you better not even look at me, cross, or I'll come at you. I'll come after you. I'll take you to court. I'll cancel you. I'll have you arrested. That is the spirit of the world today. And it could not be further from the spirit of Jesus that says, when you face reaction, rejection, struggle. Don't revile in return. That is not the spirit of the world of this day. So Jesus calls his followers to follow him, to be like him. You never saw Jesus in the gospel story head into Jerusalem looking to be offended and then wander off with hurt feelings. You don't see Jesus standing off in a corner somewhere because he's pouting. You don't see Jesus whining. You don't see Jesus complaining. You don't see Jesus demanding his way. You don't see Jesus threatening in return. You don't see Jesus guilting the people around him. You don't say, or you don't hear him saying, I'm offended at all of y'all. You don't hear any of that from Jesus in the gospel story. Instead, he's got his face set like a flint. He's got his mouth quiet up against his accusers. He's going through the pain. He's suffering unfairly and unjustly, and he just keeps walking through it. How in the world does Jesus do that and expect us to follow him in that? How do you do that? Peter helps us out with the next part of the verse. Here's what he did. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, when Jesus was walking through it, when Jesus was having to face so much pain in reaction, when Jesus was having to wonder, even at times, Father, where are you? In those moments, Jesus had committed himself to the one who was the judge over all. In other words, Jesus had chosen to surrender and yield himself to the one who was on the throne, his father, who would judge all things righteously. Jesus was able to say, 
I can go through this now because I know of another day to come. He could say, I know I can go through this now because I know who I serve. I know who's on the throne. I know that he sees all things. I know that he hears me pray. And though my circumstances in this moment may not be what I want, I trust myself to him. And he was able then to walk through the worst of trials, anything worse than than you and I will ever experience in this life. He was able to walk through it because he trusted the one who sat on the throne. He believed and he waited because he knew. He knew there'd be a day when that trial would be over. He knew the pain would be great, but he knew it would come to an end. And he knew there would be a day when all of the wrong would be made right. That's what you and I live for, you know. I want, I want wrongs righted, trust me. I, I want justice to be done. When someone takes my place on the highway in a lane, I want some justice done, right? When, when I see what's happening in our land today, when I see good people suffering when they've done right, when I see the innocent being taken advantage of, when I see people hurting because of someone else's wickedness, Justice needs to be done. Amen? But you and I, we can't always make all of that justice happen in our time and in our way. But boy, we trust in the one who will make it happen one day. He will make all things right. There'll be a day when all that is hidden will be brought to light. Oh, they might be keeping secrets now, whoever they are. They might think they've got many people fooled. But you don't have God fooled because he sees from heaven and he sees all things. And there'll be a day that all that is hidden will be brought to light. There'll be a day when every injustice will be brought to light. There'll be a day when righteousness will prevail. It's coming. It may not happen in our day, in our time, in the way we want it, the way we expect it. But it will be done. There will be a day when truth will prevail. There will be a day when God will reward those who have had faith. There are things that you and I are praying for and believing and actually doing in faith today. And we all at times have prayed the prayer, God, when am I going to see the promise come about? When am I going to see the result? When is my prayer going to be answered? That's every one of us. It may be in this life. It may not be in this life. It might be in your children's life. It may not be in your children's life. It may be in your grandchildren's life, but it may not be in your grandchildren's life. But I tell you one place that it will be in heaven. It will be done. It will be finished. It will be seen. All the faith that you've held on to, the promises you've held on to. And this is what Jesus' followers do. We do good up against reaction. We can turn the other cheek when we're facing persecution. We can keep on walking and keep our mouth shut. We don't have to revile when they revile us. We don't have to threaten when they persecute us because we know our judge is watching and he judges righteously. He doesn't judge on the 
equity scale of this day and time. He doesn't judge based on skin color. He doesn't judge based on how much money you have or don't have. He doesn't judge based on what places you've been, what you've been through. He judges based on truth. And this is what gave Jesus the power, the strength to walk right up into Jerusalem. This is what gave him the strength to be silent in the face of accusation. This is what gave him the the ability to be still when he was arrested. This is what gave him the power to be patient when he was so unjustly treated. This is what gave him the strength to face his accusers and be absolutely silent. And this is the example you and I are called to. Being a Christian doesn't mean that, as Caleb said earlier, everything goes smoothly and every prayer gets answered in our day and our time. Trust me, I cry out for that. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see God move. I want to see God answer, and he does. But there are some things that we pray for that will not be resolved until heaven so that you and I might have our affections in heaven and long for that day. This is what you and I are called to. You and I today, we can cry today when things don't work out because we know there's going to be a day when every tear will be wiped away. You and I can mourn today at what's happening around us and what's happening in our lives Because one day those who mourn will be comforted. You and I can be meek today. We can yield and surrender and sacrifice knowing one day we'll receive an inheritance. We can give here when knowing we're going to be rewarded there. We can face persecution here because we know we're going to receive a kingdom there. We can choose to be last in line here because we know we're going to be first in line there. Amen? We know we can be a servant here because the greatest are those who serve. And Jesus said, the servant of all will be the greatest of all in the kingdom, in heaven. We can lay down our rights here because we know we're going to have authority there. We can face rejection, pain, suffering, attack, whatever it might be because we know we're going to receive a crown of life there. We don't have to have the spirit of the world today in us because we have the spirit of Jesus in us. So it's a good check yourself moment and a check yourself day because I know what the rest of this day will be like for all of us because we all live in the same planet. We all live in a world under the curse. And so today, I already know what's going to happen. Some things are going to not go the way you thought. Someone's going to cut you off in traffic. Someone at home is going to do something you didn't think they were going to do. You're going to get something in the mail or an email that's not what you thought it was going to be. Something's going to happen. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some tension. There's going to be some loss. Some things are not going to go your way in that moment. And when it does, it's a good time to ask yourself, what's the step that Jesus is taking? And what did he take when he faced this? 
so that I could take that same step. Let's be Jesus followers who know how to yield, to be humble, to speak truth, but to show love, to be righteous, but to put our trust in him, to do what's right, expecting our reward not from those around us, a spouse, your children, your boss, anybody except God himself. This is what it means to be a Jesus follower. I can walk after him in the same way that he walked. This is what enabled Jesus to say what he said about having his face set like a flint. I close today with the rest of the verse from Isaiah. I've set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. The temptation of the world today would tell you, be offended, stand your ground, call them out, cancel them, do to them what they did to you. And Jesus says, no. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Walk in the steps that Jesus walked. There's reward. But the greatest reward will be in heaven one day when everything you've longed for be seen in the face of Jesus. Every injustice will be made right. There'll be a great reconciling of things. And we will stand before our Savior face to face. This is the cry of every missionary, the cry of every martyr, and the cry of every Jesus follower. Oh Lord, we wait for that day. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, it's so easy to get caught up in the ways of the world today and the way that seems so natural to us. But as you've called us to follow in your steps of your son, I pray we would look carefully at those steps, to look carefully at how he walked, and to walk in the same way. As those who stand for truth, hold to our convictions, believe your promises, and are willing to face the cost, are willing to face the reaction, the rejection, but holding true because you are the king who will one day Make all things right. You are the one who will give great reward. And you are the one that we will bow before and spend an eternity with in knowing you have been our God. So I pray that for us as we go into our, our own lives and our homes 
May they be the places that we walk like our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.